the morning. We're going to be reading Matthew 6, 19 through 7, 29. And as Josh wrote to me, yes, all of it, he said. <laughs> Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck of, out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the laws and the, pro and the prophets." 
Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. May God bless this reading. Amen. Thank you, Debbie. Um, I, I've, I've enjoyed hearing the, the passages read out because I feel like um, in a fresh way that I've never had before, I, ha- I have a bit of that, that reaction that the crowds had. You know, you hear the genius of Jesus. I mean, he's a genius. It's just, it's just beautiful to hear it all at once, you know, in that way, um, overwhelmingly beautiful. Uh, so uh, we, we are in a series on Matthew and we've come to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. What we just heard, that was it. That's the, the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And if you notice, as Jesus ends the sermon, he's, he's, uh, he's doing it by giving us a, a series of comparisons. You guys catch those at the end there? I know there's a lot to take in. But at the end, uh, he gives us basically two paths to take. It's sort of his summary of the whole sermon. Uh, there's two paths to take. There's a narrow and there's a wide way. There's a true and false way. There's a good and bad fruit. Uh, version of life. There's the wise and foolish, as we sang about. Um, so in other words, Jesus is sort of concluding his initial sermon in his ministry and saying, I- I'm going to give you a choice. There's a choice. There's a life that leads, there's a way that leads to life, and then there's a way that leads to destruction. Um, or as the song says, splat, which um, sort of straight, it's, that's a funny song. It's funny how you have these childhood songs and you're singing them during your childhood, and then as an adult, you're like, oh my gosh. It's kind of harsh, you know. Um, I, I love that song, by the way. Worship team, thank you. Um, thank you. Um, so, uh, 
so there's these two ways, and, and we want to make sure that we leave the Sermon on the Mount knowing the difference between those two ways. Uh, so this morning, we want to look at the way that Jesus offers. Um, this is essentially a rewording of the outline, so I apologize. The, the way that Jesus offers, uh, why we fail to follow it, and yet how, because of Christ, we can. So what is the way that Jesus offers? Um, the first comparison that Jesus makes that starts the stream of comparisons uh, is on your outline there, and it's the strangest one for us. Um, so we, we kind of know, like, okay, I want true-false way, I want to walk in the true way. Uh, wise or foolish way, I want to walk in the wise way. Um, the, the good fruit or bad fruit, I hope to bear good fruit. But, um, but narrow, the narrow way is not necessarily something that everyone's like, yes, sign me up for, for being narrow. Uh, narrow it has a negative connotation, and it would for both Jesus' audience. It's a, it, there's no like sort of magical Greek word thing that we can do that makes that word mean not narrow, right? That's it's just what it means. And, and so it means it's, you know, it's pressed in. It's, um, it, today, we would assume if somebody calls you narrow, that, that's an insult on the level of you're, you're narrow-minded, you're, you're probably arrogant. Some people use it to describe somebody who's a kind of bigoted. Um, the Broadway, by contrast, is somebody who might be more open-minded um, and therefore more acceptable, and, and as you can see, with more people right, gathered around the Broadway. The Broadway is found by many. The narrow way is only found by a few. And yet, Jesus says that it's the broad way that leads to destruction and the narrow way that leads to life. Um, how can that be? How can the narrow way lead to life and broadness to destruction? Uh, well, the answer is, is threaded throughout the sermon, and, and Angelo touched upon it last week. Um, what, what is, how does narrow lead to life? Uh, there's a narrowness that Jesus is threading. So remember back with me. Where does forgiveness come from? Rhetorical. You don't have to call it out. Who gives forgiveness? Um, where, who gives blessing in life? Who is the one who gives treasure and reward in life? Uh, who are we to pray to? Who do we address? How does Jesus teach us to pray? Uh, at every point in Jesus' teaching, uh, from, from the longings of the soul, from the deepest longings of the soul to the pit of hunger that you might have in your stomach right now, that from, the, from the most deep existential questions to what am I going to have for lunch, all of those questions, Jesus teaches us that we are to lean on the Father. We are to lean on the Father. Narrowness, the way the, the narrowness that Jesus speaks about is a total dependence. A, a broad person, the broad way has options. You've got some choices. The narrow way, the narrow gate is speaking of a total dependence upon the Father. Uh, and and then, then Jesus goes on in the passage read, out of that narrowness, out of that total dependence comes an abundant life. Narrowness leads to abundance. That's the promise. You, see, you, you heard it. Ask and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. And so, important, Jesus is not sending us on some mystical quest out into the wilderness to try and find doors to knock on and things to seek out in, in sort of a, an esoteric way. Look what he says right after the promise. He links that promise directly with the Father. Verse 9 says, he goes right to this. Which of you, so ask and you receive, seek you find, knock on the door, we open you. 
be open to you. And right away, then he says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Oh, thank you. Yeah. Right? You receive what you ask, and right away he goes into the father-son relationship, to the parent-child relationship. The father will give you what is good. Small is the door, but great is the life. Small is the door, but great is the life. Um, this, this is the narrowness. You can take it down. Thanks, Jason. This is the, uh, the narrowness that Jesus calls us to. This is his way. Um, we experience this, and if you've, if you've traveled a bit into other cultures or you've tried to learn another language, you, you, you've, you've experienced this a little bit. On our recent visit to Cluj, my sister, for those of you who don't know, my sister lives in Cluj, Romania. Um, she's lived there for many years now, and she's, she's raising a family there. Um, and, of course, her husband, Jolti, uh, who you heard uh, Jeremy pray for, he, he's from that part of the world. He's Hungarian, grew up, grew up in that, that part of the world. Um, and so when we go to visit, um, they are, they're totally at ease in their own city. They, they know how to navigate, um, where to go. They know how, it's a city that, that speaks both, predominantly there's, there's Romanian and Hungarian um, being spoken. They can sort of flow back and forth really easily. Um, they know all the cultural cues and all the demands um, you, you don't realize it here, but you, know, you go into a Wawa here and you, you just know what to do. You know where to go. You, where, you know where to stand and not stand. You know how to get what you need. You go to another country and you know, it's, it's not like that. You don't know where to go. You don't know what to do. You don't know the thing to ask for. Uh, nothing's familiar. So when we visited, uh, we know our way a little around. I mean, Angela, Ann and I are, you know, we're, we're, we're culturally sensitive and we're, we're travelers. We know, we know a thing or two about being in another culture. But to be honest, we're also completely lost um, when we're in another place. Uh, we lean on KJ and Jolti. We had to, to get coffee and pastries. It's a whole thing of like, KJ, can you please order for me? I don't know how to do it. You know, it's kind of, you really are dependent. You really are dependent upon them. Um, unless you want to just sort of look foolish. Um, and, and, but the truth is, though, that being dependent, you also look kind of foolish, right? Because you're a grown person standing behind your sister who's like ordering for you, you know. It's just, it's kind of sad. Um, but but, but it's, a, it's a way of, the, way, the reason I tell you that is, and, and of course there were so many things that we were, the, where to go, the cultural places to visit, um, how to navigate the transportation system there. That narrowness, that dependence upon my sister and Jolti led to an abundance. We got to experience the richness of her life and the city um, in a way that we never would have. Um, the, the Broadway says, you know what, I'm just going to go and try and learn Hungarian on the fly, right? And I'll just sort of try to speak it and see what happens. Um, that, that would not lead to an abundance, I can guarantee you. Uh, dependence leads to life. It's this narrow dependence that leads to life. That's, that's the way that Jesus calls us to, a dependence upon the Father for all things. And, and it's important... Um, for you to know this, because this passage, why it's important in particular, hey, context matters, right? Don't read these passages. It's important to read the sermon in context. This, this passage in particular can be misused when we're talking about the narrow way and the, and the broad way. But what Jesus is after here is not primarily something ideological. It's not a narrow way of a political way of thinking, left or right. It's not even a narrow way when it comes to religion against the religions of the world. I mean, the Bible does speak about that, right? And so I'm not suggesting that it doesn't. But that's not what Jesus is after here. And it's often used and misused in that way. Um, 
It's not an ideological claim. It's not even about religion versus secularism. Remember, Jesus is not, that's not the central comparison of the sermon. It's religious people and followers of Jesus. So in particular, what is exclusive about Christianity, about the narrow way, um, is an open profession of a dependence problem on God. We have a, you know, I'm going to say that tongue-in-cheek, right? I have a dependence problem on God. That, that's the exclusive, narrow way of, of the faith that Jesus calls us to. The broad way leads to, that leads to destruction. That's the judgmental religious people. The narrow way are those who depend upon God so much for all of life that they have the audacity to call him father. I am so audaciously dependent upon God that I call him my father. That's... That's the narrow way. That's the way that Jesus says, this is a small door that leads to life. And, and, and as a result, the people that do that, we have the ability to become those who love even our enemies. We, we lay aside condemnation. We are people who have no anxiety about what we will eat or what we will drink or what we will wear because our Father knows what we need. Now, the narrow way that leads to abundance um, is something that we don't like. We, no one likes to be narrow. And let I me mean, just spend a little time about why it's so hard to do this, to live out of a total dependence upon the Father. Why is this so hard? Um, so one reason is, is actually a lot like putting myself in the hands of KJ and Jolte, is that um, our pride resists being given over into the hands of the Father. Um, a feature of the broad path is, is actually one that, that keeps us from ever having to get particular and specific and therefore dependent and vulnerable. Now, follow with me here with, with, my, with this line of thought about what Jesus is up to. Um, broad allows you to stay general, nonspecific. Narrow, you're getting very specific and particular about your dependence. So think about it. Um, it's one thing, we, we all know this, right? It's one thing if somebody says to you, I just love all of humanity. I have a general statement about all people. It's quite another thing for somebody to say, I love that person in particular. Um, no, no one in here needs to, we, we don't need to like, think about well, which person probably is actually a more loving person. The, the, the particular, I, I love a particular person, that, that's actually, that's the person of love. When you get specific, when you get narrow, you actually have to set aside your pride and control because now you've sort of given yourself to somebody in some small way. I've named somebody that I love. And, and we can do the same thing with God. Um, we, we can get general with God and never move toward a particular rely, a dependence upon him. Uh, there's, a, there's a scene in the Brothers Karamazov um, it's the, the, the great novel by Dostoevsky. It's this part called A, a Lady of Little Faith. Um, it's, it's A Lady of Little Faith is in a conversation um, with a spiritual elder whose name is um, Zosima. I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, the lady is describing her struggle to love people in the story. Um, oh, great. It's up there. Don't start reading ahead. Um, she, so uh, she struggles to love people, and she confesses that she can love people. Thanks, Jason. She can love people... Um, in the abstract, 
She can love people in the abstract, but she struggles to love particular people in life, in her life. Um, and the elder responds by telling her, so you're with me, the, the, the woman, I can love people abstractly, like the idea of love is attractive to me, but when it comes down to actually loving the people in my life, I'm struggling. Um, and, and so this, the elder says, uh, tells a story of a man that he once knew, and, and here's, here's what he says. Um, you can put it up now. He was an old man and unquestioningly intelligent. He spoke just as frankly as, as you, humorously, but with a sorrowful humor. I love mankind, he says, but I'm amazed at myself. The more I love mankind in general, the less I love people in particular, that is, individually, as separate persons. In my dreams, he said, I often went so far as to think passionately of serving mankind, and it may be, um, would really have gone to the cross for people if it were somehow suddenly necessary. And yet, I am incapable of living in the same room with anyone even for two days. (laughs) This I know from experience. As soon as someone is there close to me, his personality oppresses my self-esteem and restricts my freedom. In 24 hours, I, begin to, I can begin to hate even the best of men. Can I get a, anybody, anybody like that? One, because he takes too long eating his dinner or too loudly. Uh, another, because he has a cold and keeps blowing his nose. I become the enemy of people the moment they touch me. And he said, on the other hand, it has always happened that the more I hate people individually, the more ardent become my love for humanity as a whole. Uh, Religious people, the the broad way that Jesus is speaking about here, um, they use God God as as a broad general term. He's a general principle. You love God as a general idea. You love religion as a general idea, but it actually feeds their pride. And it allows us to spend time looking at the splinters in the eyes of others around us. The narrow way requires us to get very specific. We enter into a parent-child relationship. Your pride must be set aside. Pride keeps us on the broad way. The narrow way gets us very specific. Um, just, uh, I had an ex- just a quick experience of this. Actually, on Friday, I was having lunch with Timothy. Timothy told me, told me something wonderful about, I think it was Ephraim, was it uh, about the dump trucks? Oh, okay, maybe. So, um, sorry, I should have asked you about this beforehand. But he said, uh, one, of his, one of his dear children told him, uh, Daddy, you, you make the best dump truck noises. <laughs> Which I love. Um, and he was explaining how, you know, of all the dump truck noises in all the world and all the people that make them in his life, like it wasn't just a, you know, a, a broad sweeping compliment that didn't mean anything. Like, he's heard some dump truck noises. This is a little boy. You know, he knows. But dad's is the best, you know. Um, and it, but, but the reason I raise that is, is that, that's, that's a very specific, that's a narrow kind of dependence and love of his father, isn't it? He know, that can only come, that kind of comment can only come because he's in, not dad, a general idea of dad. That's a, that's a particular narrow kind of dependence and love and relationship between a, a parent and a, and a child. Um, and so, so dependence re- resists all kind of broadness. Uh, you can't stay general. You can't stay distant. The narrow way of dependence has to get very specific and very close. And so the question for you this morning, then is God simply a general principle for you? Are, are you... Are you here this morning? Are you doing the, the steps of religious activity 
based on a principle, on a general idea. That's, how Jesus, that's who Jesus is actually after in the, in the sermon. Is your pride, your need for control, pushing him away? And that, that pride keeps us from dependence. And, and just, just uh, quickly, you know, that's not the only reason we resist dependence upon God. Um, sometimes it's, our, it's also our suffering. And so we need to deal with our pride, brothers and sisters. But I know some of you today, it, it's more, I can't lean on God because my suffering is overwhelming me. And, and so for you, I just want to say um, that, that, that I know that too. I mean, this... Um, Sorry, just, there's always like one moment, right? Uh, th- this week in particular, I'm somebody who wrestles with bouts of depression on and off. And, and this week in particular, it just felt like if you've if you experienced depression, you know, it's a little bit like having your head held underwater. You know, you just can't quite see where you are and you can't quite see and turn, you know? Um, and that's how it was for me. I felt physically like I just could not turn myself. You know, it's when you know you gotta ask forgiveness from somebody and you just can't bring yourself to do it. Right? Depression kind of feels that way, where you just, I can't bring myself to turn up. You know? um, and so we just need to acknowledge that, that even it's our, both our pride that binds us, but also our suffering. Our suffering pushes us away from the, specific, the specificity of this, this narrow way that Jesus calls us to. It makes it hard to go there, because then we've got to come in contact with that suffering and what, what God will do about it. Um, so, so in both our sin and our suffering, uh, we, we, we resist or run from or, or can't turn toward the abundant love of the Father. So, so there's, there's more for us, though, brothers and sisters. Um, there is, there is a, a path, there is a way for us to get out from under the pride that we can't break, that can, that to get out from under the, the suffering that binds us, um, because, because the good news is that there, there is one who lived in total dependence upon the Father. Uh, he remains the most significant and for many the most confounding person to ever walk the earth. Uh, Jesus Christ, the most, the, the, the most amazing and sort of controversial uh, person to ever live, and yet he was the narrowest of all. Now, I'm not insulting Jesus, right? Hopefully you're with me. The na- he was the narrowest of all. Uh, he lived in total dependence upon his father. Listen to what he says in John 5. Very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever his father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Jesus lived a life that was shot through with asking and seeking and knocking. Um, He lived abundantly as a result. He said his food, his food was to do the will of his father. And so, you know, he lived so abundantly out of that. Remember when they tried to make him king by force and he just slips through them? Uh, Remember when people's opinions tried to keep him from loving the, the unlovely around him and he just resisted that? He had a greater abundance in the narrowness of his dependence upon the Father. Um, and yet, and yet, for Jesus, at the narrowest point, in the narrowest of ways, 
Uh, when it came to the point of his life, his dependence on the Father did not give him what he asked for. Um, but, but instead, when he asked, he was put in the place of, of one who actually rejects the Father. He received the response of one who takes the broad way, who rejects the Father. And Jesus took the narrowest of ways on the cross and it crushed him. But we have a God who draws into greater abundance out of this narrowness, right? We have a God who, who, great, who brings abundance out of the narrow path in the Red Sea. He brings exodus, right? Out of the narrowness of a shepherd named David, he brings great victory over, over a giant. And, and out of the cross, on the crushing narrowness of the cross, we receive the abundance of a life due to the faithful child of God. And this is actually why Jesus came announcing his kingdom, um, healing the sick and demon-possessed. He said, blessed are you who are poor, blessed are you who, are mo- who mourn. He said, in other words, my kingdom is the kind of kingdom where those who by the world's standards are to be pitied, by my standards are blessed, because through him, anyone can have the abundant life. Jesus is saying, through me, anyone can come and receive the generous abundance of the Father. All is asked is that, all that is required is that you ask. The most pitied of the world can be most revered in the kingdom of heaven. Our deepest sins cannot keep us out. Our suffering cannot exclude us. Our shame cannot cause us to be cast away. According to Jesus, the true measure of wealth, the true measure of wealth in the world is, is your dependence upon the Father. It's a narrowness that leads to abundance. And, and, um, and so, so what is that like then, brothers and sisters? What's the, what's the invitation to you? How do we walk in that? Well, uh, in a word, prayer. That's, that's, what, uh, that's what Jesus is speaking about and asking, seeking, and knocking. Um, in prayer, we enter a life of dependence upon our Heavenly Father. Uh, and, and so what is prayer like? Uh, if we're honest, we often think of prayer as a way to fix ourselves. Uh, it's sort of a, a system that we enter in, and by it, we sort of get right. Um, but but, but I, I'd actually like to give you a different image. And so for some of you, this may be familiar um, to you. This is The Return of the Prodigal Son by Rembrandt, if you can put that up. Um, it's, uh, oh, thank you. Excellent bonus, bonus points. That was good. Um, this is... Um, this is the, the scene at the end of, of course, Jesus' parable of, of the prodigal son. And it, it's Rembrandt's depiction of the son returning to the father. And so I, 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 wanted, I, I want you to, this week, I, I want to encourage you to carry this image with you as you think about prayer. Prayer is not the way that you fix yourself. Prayer is, it's when we come to lean on our Father and wait for him to give us what is good. Uh, And so therefore, what this should do is dispel any ideas that what Jesus is promising is that he'll suddenly become our magic genie and give us exactly what we want. Um, No, it's better than that. He's our good Father. 
He gives us exactly what we need. And, and though we may not always agree it with it or like it or, or, or understand the timing of it, um, he will see to it that you are never in want. You will never be in want with this good father. He will never give you a stone when you ask for bread. He will never, ever give you a snake when you ask for fish. And so you can lean on him in total dependence. And, and then the, the result of being the kind of people who pray in such a way and who know this dependence upon the Father is that day by day, you then, you then become, remember, it's a path. It's a calling to a life that, that we do have to emerge out of our prayer closets, right? And, and so what this, what this kind of life brings then is that day by day, you become the very kind of people that Jesus describes in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, our narrowness, our narrow dependence upon the Father leads to abundance of life, not just for us, but for others. You become the kind of person who can love others as you want to be loved, as Jesus says in this passage. Not by general principles alone, but out of an instinct of dependence that leads to abundance. Um, you can see Richard Beck, he says at the bottom of there, he, um, he talks about, you know, the, you guys know what these trolley, trolley problems are, these trolley car problems? Have you ever seen these? Basically, you know, uh, it's these little ethical cartoons on the internet. Don't waste too much time on it, but basically uh, it, it puts you in a decision. Do you save this number of people's lives or this number of people's lives? You know, given the, um, it's these little ethical problems. And he says, um, when life comes at you fast, you don't have time to solve the ethical trolley, trolley problem. Uh, our life is not like that. Uh, your first automatic and instinctive response has to be right. Holy automaticity, I said that wrong, is responding with knee-jerk kindness, patience, gentleness, and self-control in the face of the emotional trigger. Holiness is not a choice. It is an instinct, a reflex. And I would add it's one that's born out of, out of, out of that narrow dependence upon the Father. And out of that abundance, then, we become the kind of people who can bless when we're cursed. We're not anxious, but out of the abundant knowledge that God will provide what we need. Who can actually, who can actually love our enemies because of God's abundant love. I invite the worship team forward. Let me, let me pray for us. Father, we ask, would you take and receive all our liberty would you receive all our memory, all our understanding? Would you receive our entire will, all our dependence, Lord, I would add? Lord, would you receive all that we have and all that we call our own? Lord, we confess and we say, you have given it all to us. And to you, Lord, we want to return it. Everything is yours. Do with it what you will. Give us only your love and your grace. That is enough for us.